Good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Hugh, I don't remember any of those songs being in that study guide, but that was a good selection of songs for this lesson. Oh, there were <laughs> Especially leaning on the everlasting arms. I hadn't thought of that one. Uh, but those go along very, very well. And that last one too, My God and I, there's a, a portion of our lesson that talks about our fellowship with God. And so those were uh, very good songs to, to set up for the lesson tonight. As I mentioned this morning, our lesson in the One Word series continues with fellowship. And as we look at the word fellowship, the question that I asked them this morning, what's the first thing you think about when you think of the word fellowship? And I believe that most all of us would think fellowship meals because that's what we do. We have fellowship meals. We have a lot of them within the church. It's always been that way ever since I've been growing up. So... uh, That's something that that we often associate with the word fellowship. But there are some other aspects to the word fellowship that I want us to look at tonight. Not just the reason that we have fellowship meals. But whenever we look at that word fellowship, do you think of spending time with people that you care about? Do you think of spending time with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you think of the edification that results from spending time? with others. As I mentioned, fellowship meals have become popular in the church and most congregations, at least uh, in our neck of the woods, have them. But they give us a reason to spend time together. We understand that purpose behind them. They, they help to foster a work, working together to host them for the congregation. We have to work together in order to put those on. But is this the only type of fellowship that we read about in Scripture? And it's not. We read of other types of fellowship throughout the scriptures. It's important that we understand what the Bible speaks of in regard to fellowship. Our lesson objectives for tonight are, first of all, to learn what fellowship really means. Aside from fellowship meals, what does the word fellowship actually mean? We also want to learn with whom we are to fellowship. And to learn what fellowship does for the life of a Christian. We begin with the first point of our lesson. Fellowship with fellow man. We are to have fellowship with one another. And that's very important. Even going back to the beginning of time. We see that it was important for man to fellowship with someone. Look at Genesis chapter 2. I've used this passage often, but never in this way. But in Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 18, we read this. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature. That was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman 
and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Having the company of all the creatures God had created, God could still see that man was alone. And this is the only time within the creation of God that we really read these words, it is not good. God created everything, and after everything, He said, it is good. Up until He created man, He said, it is very good, but when it came to man having a companion, He understood that there wasn't one for Him, and He said, it is not good that man should be alone. So God gave to Adam companionship in Eve, whom He referred to as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You see, man needs companionship and fellowship with others should be important to us. As we see it was important to God, He understood that it was important to Adam. And so we see it is important to us. And even more importantly to the Christian, it's even more important that we have fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we often talk about when we go to camp or something like that, it's, it's so good to get away from the world and to get away from our jobs and, and some of the temptations that we often face. And we would love to, to stay in, in that kind of environment. But we know that we need to have fellowship with the world. We'll look at that a little bit in a moment as well. But especially when it comes to those of the church, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, fellowship should be important to each of us. Now, the question is, how do we foster fellowship in our relationships with other Christians? How do we build on that? How do we make it better than what it was? Turn with me to Hebrews 10. I want us to notice verses 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We begin fellowship in worshiping God together. It's one of the fundamental things about being a Christian. We attend the services of the church. And when we do that, we build our relationships with one another. 
God is the one who brings us together in a common bond of belief in Him as our Creator. We have fellowship in worshiping Him as we are bound together by Him as brothers and sisters in Christ. This serves as a mode of edification for the Christian. We consider one another and how we might edify one another. Whenever you come to services, whenever you plan to uh, attend services either on Sunday morning or Sunday night or even Wednesday night, do you consider your brothers and sisters? Do you consider how you can build them up? That's important. That's an important aspect when it comes to our worship. Not just that we come together to worship God, but that we come together for each other also. Seeking to edify the other, we, we desire to assemble with the saints, our brothers and sisters, for this very purpose. Do you have a desire to, to assemble with the church because of your love for your fellow man? You know, we have a, a really good example in the Jerusalem church of, of how they fellowshiped with one another. And how we should fellowship with one another as well. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Let's pick up with verse 40. Acts 2 and verse 40. And this is just after Peter has told them what they needed to do to be saved. They were, were cut to the heart. They asked that question, what, should, what must we do? And his answer was, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we read in verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. In verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. One of the things that we learn about the relationship between the Christians in the first century is the church was in its uh, very early stages, is that they didn't just associate with one another when they gathered for weekly services. But it says in verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They, they had a, a relationship with each other outside of those assemblies. They had a personal relationship with one another. They had one of fellowship with one another. They loved one another. And we see that exhibited also in Acts chapter 4 beginning with verse 32. 
Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Verse 33, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Verse 36, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The Christians within the Jerusalem church were constantly in fellowship with one another. Seeing each other's needs and, and doing what they could to supply them. Even up to selling property and, and houses and things of that nature so that they could, could raise the funds necessary to help one another. Theirs is a wonderful example to us of, of how the church should operate even today. And maybe the situations are different. Um, one of the things that I think we see in the, the church that was established is that there were many people in Jerusalem that, that stayed there for a time and, and they didn't have places, places to stay. and So they provided those needs for each other, but they cared for one another. They cared for their brothers and sisters in Christ. They met whatever needs they needed to meet for them as much as they could. Fellowship is of such great importance that withdrawal of it is used as a way of bringing erring members back into the fold of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's notice the first five verses of that chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up, to have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul taught the Corinthians that glorying in the immorality among them should not be the case. One such as the man who had his father's wife should be withdrawn from and delivered to Satan. The purpose was not that he be delivered directly to eternal punishment, but so that he might realize his error and turn back to God. Any time that, that we would withdraw from someone being in error, it's for the purpose of them repenting. 
We need to show them that they're in the wrong so that they know that something isn't right and something needs to be fixed. That's the only reason that we would withdraw from a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, Seeing that his brothers and sisters in Christ could no longer associate with him, it was hoped that he would be brought to repentance. And that point is further made in the closing verses of this chapter. Look at verses 9 through 11. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. A Christian may yet be a good influence on those of the world participating in sin. But the action of withdrawing fellowship from a Christian is meant to bring him to a realization of his sins and his need for repentance. We can be a light to the world, and we are to be a light to the world, and to do that we must be in the world, so we can't withdraw from everyone that practices sin for that reason. But again, the purpose of withdrawing from a member of the church is for the purpose of them realizing their need for repentance. Paul also taught the Corinthians that in seeking to be positive influences in the world, they should also seek fellowship with those who would be positive influences on them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and beginning with verse 14 and reading through 18, says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, verse 17 Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now as we look at what is said in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, I think, most of us understand, at least to some degree, the illustration that is being used. Let's take oxen, for instance, or any other animal that you might use, that you might yoke together for a purpose. Uh, Oxen that are yoked together unequally, if one is stronger than the other, it is either going to be the case that the stronger one is going to to drag the, the weaker one to the point where it is injured, Or in the other case, the strong one may be injured. But whenever you yoke two animals together, it's important that they be of the same strength, uh, of equal strength, so that they are not unequally yoked, so that you don't risk damaging the other. 
And it could go either way. Uh, the stronger could be injured or the weaker could be injured. But either way, whenever they're unequally yoked, that is usually the case. And so it is with Christians that if we are unequally yoked together with those in the world, that, that maybe we're stronger for a time, but maybe, maybe we're weakened, dragging the weaker one. It's important that we be influences in the world but we need to be very wise about how we try to influence the world and make sure that the world doesn't have more of an influence on us as Christians. So finally we come to the last point in the lesson. Fellowship with God and Christ. As important as companionship and fellowship with man is to each of us individually, we should also, as Christians, seek fellowship with God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and beginning with verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. John is seeking to foster a relationship between the apostles and the disciples, all brothers and sisters in Christ. And these relationships had, had been strained due to conflict and, and divided because of false teaching and things of that nature. And so he sought to, to bring those together. And by encouraging fellowship among the brethren, he is also encouraging fellowship and unity with the Father and His Son. See, as we have fellowship with one another, even tonight as we are gathered together and have fellowship with one another, we are sharing in fellowship and a relationship with God and Christ. Remember Jesus' prayer in John 17. Let's look at the first five verses. John 17 and verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Being in fellowship with God means living in fellowship with God. 
Let's look at the latter portion of 1 John 1. Picking up with verse 5, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declared to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. There is no darkness in God at all. And neither can there be darkness in us if we desire fellowship with God. A little bit later on in the same letter, 1 John 3 and verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the, from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In 1 Peter 1 Beginning with verse 13. Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy. For I am holy. Any temptation that threatens our fellowship with God should be avoided at all costs. Christians are called to their very best service to keep ourselves pure. James 1.27 Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We must keep ourselves pure and spotless before God. Does that mean that we're going to be perfect? Certainly not. We do fall short. We do have shortcomings that we, we deal with on a daily basis. But overall, we strive to keep ourselves pure. As long as we trust in God, as long as we follow His Word, it is possible for us to do that. As we conclude our lesson for tonight, I wanted to close with the opening words of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
just that it is right, just as it is right for me to think think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more, more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Fellowship in the gospel, as it is mentioned in verse 5, means that we must share and participate in the work of God on earth. Becoming Christians, we are entrusted with the duty of sharing the gospel with the world so that they too might be saved. We're given a mission to go into the world and share the gospel with them. And the only way to overcome the works of the devil it's for us to work together to win the lost through Christ. Which gives great reason for our fellowship with one another. If we work together, many things can happen. It can happen within this congregation. They can happen within the church overall. But we have to work together to bring these things to pass. So if we want to fulfill the mission of God, it means that but yes, as individuals we must work, but we must fellowship with one another, we must work together to bring the lost to Christ. We begin our fellowship, true fellowship with one another, and our fellowship with God by becoming Christians, by obeying the gospel, hearing, believing, repenting, confessing our faith in Christ, and being baptized for the remission of sins. It's only the beginning. We must also live a faithful life. And, and maybe it is that someone here tonight is either not a Christian because you've not obeyed the gospel, or, or maybe you're not a faithful Christian because you've wandered away into the ways of the world. Maybe you need to come back. But if you have any need whatsoever, as we always do, we offer the Lord's invitation. We see this as an, a very important thing that we do each week. Make sure that the souls of our members and those who may gather with us are right with God. So if there's some way that, that we can help you tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be glad to help you. Together we stand. And as we think, we stand.